According to MainStreet.org, $600 billion was spent in e-commerce in 2019 versus an expected $709.78 billion expected in 2020. That's a 14.5% increase overall in retail spending. Wow, that's quite an increase. I definitely have contributed to that increase in my increase in shopping online. What about you? How do you feel about it? Definitely. I mean, just with everything going on since March, I definitely shopped online way more than I had before. And then also with the holidays coming up, I'm taking advantage of getting my holiday shopping done early and doing most of it online. I feel like I have packages coming every few days to my house. So I definitely feel like I've uh, contributed to it too. As a disclaimer, a portion of this episode is recorded remotely. So there may be a variation in the sound quality. From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games. Delivering financial topics to you in a fun and interesting way. I'm your host, Catherine. I'm Devante. We're so glad you're here. So I'm so excited. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the psychology of shopping. And we have a really special guest with us. Um, His name is Ian Duncanson. He's here and he works uh, with us here at the Credit Union. So Ian, introduce yourself. Tell the people about you. Yeah, so I graduated from Michigan State. And at the time I studied uh, biochemistry and psychology, which you would not think leads me to working in a career in finance. Um, After graduation, I started working at the credit union and found myself unexpectedly falling in love with the financial educator position that I didn't even know going in the credit union offered. So um, currently, I've been a financial educator with the credit union for about three years now. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for being with us today. We're really excited to talk with you. And I didn't realize it's getting, you had a minor in psychology? Yeah, I did. Um, No, actually not a minor. It was a secondary major. So it wasn't a separate degree, but it was kind of a a secondary major included. Gotcha. So it's fitting you're with us today for this psychology of shopping episode, which is what we're going to focus on. So to kind of kick us off. So what are some things that the two of you maybe think of when you're making a purchase? Hmm. Or how do you go about what's like your thought process? Okay. So it depends on what the purchase is. There's a certain big box warehouse store that has my heart. So they get a lot of my money. But really, I try and think through before I get to the store. Like, what am I really going to need out of this store? Because if, like, I just go with a very loose goal in mind then I probably will spend more money than I anticipated. So really, it's kind of a methodical planning process when going shopping. Okay. Yeah, I think about there's kind of like a few different ways that I approach it, and it depends. So with groceries, I always try and make a list before I go, more so to make sure that I get everything that I need so I don't forget that one item. And then I usually end up with one or two extra items that I didn't anticipate getting that are more impulse buys. When I'm shopping online, I feel like I put things in my cart and then I take them out of my cart and then I put them back in my cart and I kind of contemplate back and forth for a while whether or not I'm actually gonna spend. Obviously it depends how expensive those items are. 
And then of course there's always my target approach, which is to walk in to buy one thing and walk out spending at least $50. Yeah, <laughs> same. I can't get out of Target for less than 50 bucks, so. What about you? I would say I'm more of an impulse buyer across the board. So when I go to the grocery store, I'll kind of have an idea of what meals I want to make for the week, but I don't necessarily bring a list with me. I just kind of go and it usually works out one of two ways. I end up with way too much stuff and stuff that I don't need or I forget things. So a list would probably be helpful so I don't forget items. And then when it comes to shopping either online or going to the store, I tend to just go and browse unless, I mean, of course I see maybe like a Facebook ad or something, or there's something I really specifically need. I'm more of an impulse shopper. Really. Yeah, I actually, it's funny you say that because I actually just read an article recently that talked about how, how Target specifically, since I mentioned them already, how they get you to spend more money. And so even things from using the red coloring of mm-hmm. throughout the store puts you in a certain mood to make you want to spend money. The things that they decide to put on their end caps and in those big baskets that you have to stumble past in order to keep your space from other shoppers are very strategic in trying to get you to pick up those extra things that you didn't realize you needed. Yeah. So in thinking about ads and like I know you mentioned like targeted ads like on Facebook and stuff like that how do you all think that that affects the way that you decide to purchase things I feel like personally I have always kind of laughed at ads because like when you think about like TV ads and ads that come up on on websites it's very rare that I see an ad and think oh you know what I'm gonna go buy that right now even the ones that say, you know, limited while supplies last. Like, I feel like I still am not typically one to jump on that as an impulse. But I feel like with some of the things that maybe you buy a little bit less often, or sometimes in those moments where maybe you're not, um, you don't have a, a frame of reference for a particular type of product, it might be something then when you need some that, that type of product, your mind automatically goes to that brand because it's been brought in front of you so many times. Yeah, I agree. If I get like a, a targeted ad for something that maybe I've looked for online or I've been on the same Wi-Fi as or something like that. Shopping online is different for me. I have a harder time actually purchasing an item than if I'm actually going to the store and I have the item in my hands. For some reason, it's easier for me to buy an item in the store, kind of on a whim, more so than buying it online. Because I know that if I buy it online, there's still like that waiting period of having it shipped to me and things like that. So I don't even think I ever really thought fully about the difference between my online shopping habits and my in-person shopping habits. Like, for online, I like to do my browsing when I don't have my wallet in my pocket because it means that I have to make the conscious effort to go and like get my card. But now they have like Apple Pay. <laughs> yeah. So there. you can have all your cards locked up, ready to go, and all you have to do <laughs> is enter your your PIN or password, and yeah, absolutely. It's like a thumbprint away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in in relation to your point, Catherine, I feel like sometimes when you're in a store and you're holding something, you're thinking about. Like, well, if I decide I do want this, I'm going to have to come all the way back to get this. So I might as well just get it now. Yeah. Whereas online, you could really go back and buy that at any time. Like how I put things in my car, take them out, put them in, take them out. It's kind of that, like, I could buy this at any time. And so there's not necessarily that same inconvenience if I don't buy it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm buying something online, I'll always 
check the availability at like one of my local stores to see if there's like a curbside pickup or something like that or if I can run in and grab the item. Something about having to wait for shipping, I'm just not a fan of. I mean, I will if I have to, but I'd rather have the item. I want that instant gratification. Yeah, and so like, you know, I'm sorry, I kind of threw us off topic, but with the ads and things like that, I definitely think that they influence what I'm going to go and look at. Mm-hmm persuade me on things to purchase maybe it's like i'll have the particular thing in mind which i think is what they're meant to do especially targeted ads you'll have that particular thing in mind if you talked about it or searched for it and then you get the ad for it and it's like well i always think is this the best price yeah that's usually what keeps me from being super impulsive about my purchasing yeah those ads are tricky my sister i went to visit her a few weeks ago and she had been looking at a particular item online. It's a bonfire pit that is smokeless. And I had never had any sort of need for it or want for it or anything, but now I'm getting these ads and I cannot bring myself to pay the money for it because it's expensive, but I kind of want one now, so it works. I also wonder sometimes because you'll see where something is now on sale. So the same thing that you've been seeing, it keeps getting put in front of you, but now there's a sale. And I feel like that might make you more likely to go ahead and and make that purchase because now you feel like, okay, well, I wasn't sure before, but now I'm getting a deal on it. So maybe I will go ahead and buy that. Yeah. Interesting. What about like couponing? What do you think about couponing? So um, I actually came across a study by Claremont University that said um, couponing actually makes people happier interestingly. Um, Using coupons can actually cause people to um, have reduced stress and increased happiness, which I found kind of interesting. Um, In that same study, about 80% of consumers said that they feel smarter using coupons because they found those coupons and they're getting a better deal on things that other people may not know about. Um, And then also it was really interesting thinking about like brand loyalty, the impact that coupons can have. Um, They were talking in that same study about like 80% of the consumers said that uh, a coupon for a different brand would make them more likely to consider switching to that other brand because they could get a better deal or maybe try something new versus what they were used to. I definitely can attest to kind of feeling like that like I definitely feel like a really smart shopper when I use a coupon and if I'm going to get more money off for something I look down to the ounce okay what is these ounces going to be and if I have a coupon for it I'm definitely going to use it and I'll switch a brand right there I feel like what's challenging sometimes when I come across coupons is a deal that based on the coupon alone might sound really good I'll take those with me to the store and look at the actual price of the product because sometimes you're like, ooh, $5 off, and then you realize it's a specialty item that for some reason is like $15. Mm -hmm. So that $5 off is not necessarily that great when you can get another brand's product for maybe $8 instead of the price with the coupon. Yeah. Another thing that I think is interesting, I like couponing, but what I find myself doing sometimes is because I have a coupon, buying items that I don't really need. And maybe items that I won't use, and if they're perishable items, then they go bad, and then they didn't serve their purpose in the first place. So I like coupons, but I just have to be careful to not fall into that trap. 
Yeah, I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with bulk buying. People that kind of, you know, they buy things um, in quantities because of seals, uh, sales or deals and things like that. Um, and it may be something that they didn't need or it might be too much of something. So what they're buying maybe goes bad before they have an opportunity to use all of that. Um, I've even noticed like at a lot of grocery stores, they'll do like, you know, 10 for $10 specials. And what a lot of people don't realize is you don't all, always have to buy 10 of them in order to get that deal. But people are more likely to buy 10 because that's how they phrase the deal. Because if they just put a dollar, people are not necessarily going to buy as many. But if you say 10 for $10, then more people are going to buy 10 of them. Okay. Yeah. Alrighty, so in all of these topics that we kind of touched on, even talking about our own purchasing thought process, you know, I think it talks a lot about or speaks a lot to emotions or feeling. And actually, like when I was researching, I was looking at like the biggest factors that are like involved when we make different purchases. According to CNBC, it is age, gender, mood, income level, and culture. And that's, especially with impulse buying, um, it's often driven by our emotions or an unknown or sudden desire for something. So in that vein, then you're kind of getting at like the ads that we see and things take all of those things into account to try and get us to make an impulse purchase based on those demographics. Exactly. Absolutely. Wow. Interesting. I guess I've always thought about how the ads relate to what I might be talking about or doing, but I don't often think about how that relates to just the fact that I am how old I am and that I, you know, live where I live and things like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely am one that will shop according to my mood and it just makes me happy to, you know, go out and just browse the aisles, purchase some items. Just puts me in a good mood. Sounds like retail therapy, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a little bit of research, and retail therapy, of course, is a coping mechanism that people employ to help them feel better. So a lot of times people will use retail therapy if they're maybe not having a great day, they're in a bad mood, they're feeling stressed. A 2013 study performed by Healthline suggested that retail therapy offers people a sense of control that counteracts those feelings of sadness, stress, anxiety that are often rooted in feeling of powerlessness. So I have definitely succumbed to retail therapy from time to time, and it's totally fine. You know, if it makes you feel better, then that's okay. But I think where people get themselves into trouble is when they do it kind of out of control and they aren't accounting for their budget and you know they're spending more than they really can afford to spend and so that causes more feelings of stress and anxiety and it's just kind of this cycle that gets them into trouble yeah i feel like i've definitely fallen into that trap before and made purchases when i'm feeling a certain way that then maybe i have a little bit of buyer's remorse about because I end up feeling like, well, I bought this because it felt right in the moment, but I haven't used it in six months, so what did I really buy it for? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I should have thought it through a little bit more to, to consider, you know, does this seem like something that I would really use? And like you said, does it fit with my budget in order to, to be a part of that? Um, but I think retail therapy is very common for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like with me, it's probably like every couple of years I get the itch like for a new car. Um, you guys know I really <laughs> like cars. So 
I've been trying to reel myself in because starting those terms over and over and over again gets you to the point where you're not paying it off or anything like that. So this time around, yes, I did buy another car. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did was decided that I would get something that was much cheaper than the current car that I had. So in doing it, I'm paying less money every month on my vehicle, but it's one that I absolutely am enjoying. So I think that we all have to really find ways to control our habits, to make them the most beneficial for ourselves, both in the short run and the long run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I love that you point that out because I feel like if getting a new car makes you happy and that's something that I, I guess could kind of fall into the, the retail therapy kind of category, um, but being smart about it and thinking it through and making it personal instead of trying to, you know, outmatch people around you and keep up with the Joneses, if you will. Keeping up with the Joneses. What's that? Tell, tell us about that. So I feel like one of the things I've always noticed growing up is there's always someone in my friends group or in my family or in my network that is always, you know, striving for that next best thing, whatever the newest phone is or the newest car or whatever that trend is, they're kind of falling into that and, and getting that maybe before everyone else does it so that they can say, hey, wow, look at me, look how great I am. And then oftentimes other people end up getting those things as well almost in an effort to kind of keep up with them and show that they too can have those same things. So keeping up with the Joneses is that idea that you're always comparing what you have or don't have to what other people around you have and trying to keep pace with them. What I think is really important to keep in mind with that idea, you don't know what your neighbor's finances look like. Like maybe they're in debt, maybe they're struggling and they have this great appearance, like they can afford all these things, but underneath, the things you're not seeing, they might be in a bad position. And so really just being accountable for yourself, knowing what you can afford and knowing that if your finances are in order and you can afford the things you have, that's great and being happy with it. And of course, striving to do better and working towards that next thing and maybe setting goals, but you don't have to have everything right this second. I remember as a kid, like when I would be like, oh, I want this toy, so-and-so got it. My mom has always told me, she's like, you need to mind the business that pays you, and that's your own business, that's it. So I was like, okay, you know, I can get that. Like, you know, don't worry about what the next person has. And absolutely, that's such an important point that you don't know what the situation is. All we know is what the image is that's presented on the outside of those situations, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely had that same kind of lesson growing up was, so what if someone else has that? Um, you have what you have, and you've made choices that you've made. And I definitely feel like as I get older, I think more about what does it really matter if... I am showing off something that I have. It's no, for me, it isn't any more about telling other people what I have to kind of show it off. It's more about feeling a sense of accomplishment with, you know, getting the things that make sense for me. So I don't need a new TV every year just because new TVs come out that have better resolution. I tend to be someone that if the one that I have works, I stick with that until it doesn't make sense or doesn't work or I've planned ahead in my budget to save up for a new one that would make sense for me. 
Wow, really great conversation about the psychology of shopping. I feel like I learned a lot about the two of you um, that I didn't already know. Did you have any like major takeaways or afterthoughts? So I also feel like I learned a ton. You know, I was kind of in my tunnel vision of everybody shops with kind of the same mindset that I do, but it was interesting to find out that you're both a little bit different. One of my major takeaways was shopping according to sales and using coupons. So I always try and look for a good sale and I use a coupon when I can, but I need to be more careful about buying something because it makes sense, not just because I have a coupon and it's a really good sale. So um, what I find sometimes is that I'll go grocery shopping and I'll end up with a bunch of um, food that expires before I can use it because I bought it using a coupon thinking I would use it and that's not always the case. So that was one of my big takeaways is shop intentionally, not just because I have a coupon or there's a good deal. Yeah, I feel like I took a lot away. We've covered a lot of ground with this episode for sure. My major takeaway was really taking more time to consider before I spend money or before I buy things um, to really figure out what my motivation is, especially for those large purchases. So like stopping to think about like, am I buying this to keep up with somebody else? Am I buying this because of a fear of missing out? Um, am I buying it just because there's a sale and I think I'm never going to get it for this price again? Or am I buying it because it actually fills a gap in the needs that I have in my day to day or the wants that I have and, and kind of thinking that all the way through. One example of that is the Nintendo Switch being on sale and I'm like, I keep looking at it, but there's no way I'm ever going to play it. So there's no reason for me to buy it. One of my major takeaways has really been to get to know yourself, kind of get to know your shopper profile, so to speak, so that you can know when to go around those different things. Like if you're a person that really loves coupons, maybe not collecting as many coupons, you know, you may be more inclined to shop. I know me, if I see a deal, I'm excited about it. And also when I talked about earlier with, I like to replace my car every two to three years. And it's me knowing myself and um, also anticipating me knowing that. So really just get to know like your shopper profile and the way you shop and find ways to kind of move around those problem areas, so to speak. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union have many products and services for our members. We have multiple checking, savings, and loan options. Our checking accounts have what you need. Whether you prefer no minimum balance, earning dividends, or a customized debit card, we have the perfect account for you. You'll enjoy surcharge-free access to over 30,000 ATMs nationwide. Near or far, we are wherever you are. Our checking accounts also include access to free direct deposit, free bill payment, and free access to your FICO score. From standard savings and money market accounts to certificates, we offer a variety of dividend paying accounts to fit your needs. Our multiple loan options include personal loans, auto loans, mortgages, and multiple credit card offerings. From low interest rates to tiered benefits, we have the right product for you. If you'd like to find out more or become a member, please visit msufcu.org. Wilder Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Katherine Hurth and me, Devontae Montgomery. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this show at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever else you get your podcasts. 
Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.